Hey everybody, Sound of Sanity coming right up. First, I just wanted to let you know, if you're listening to this in iTunes, you may see it's marked for adults. Just wanted to explain that real quick. Given the nature of what we were talking about, we went to some kind of dark places, even in the fun parts of the show. There may be some more quote-unquote adult stuff. Nothing explicit, but maybe a few things you wouldn't want to have to explain to your 10-year-old. So just be advised, and thank you very much. America, you're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Stone Huntington. And I'm Lance Redford. I'm Chip McGregory. And I'm Stone Huntington. And this is Rapid Fire, your number two source for conservative rants on the internet. The lamestream media never learns, boys. Today they're alleging that we're not actually the Midwestern all-American boys we claim to be, but we're actually rich, fat, internet provocateurs. When I saw that, I almost spit out my caviar. Yeah, I was like, we're dealing with this right here, right now. Manuel, turn this yacht around. That's right, boys. We're nothing if not men of the people. And we're proud to be Americans, aren't we, boys? My favorite colors? There's three of them. Red, white, and blue. My least favorite color? Dirty hippie brown. I got an eagle tattooed where the sun don't shine at that tattoo parlor under the bridge. Oh, yeah, it's really dark there. America! I never pass an American flag without stopping to salute. Between the wall art and the fridge magnets, it takes me 20 minutes every morning just to get from my bedroom to the kitchen, and that's not counting if my wife's wearing her favorite jean vest. Huh! America! Pew, pew, pew! Yeah! All right, fellas, all right, let's put a stop to this malarkey. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Was Hillary Clinton talking somewhere? Fellas, let's be serious here, Lance. Why do we love America? Is it because we're just rich, fat cat capitalists? Sure, we're rich. Rich in a little thing called freedom. Rich in a little thing called inalienable rights. In a little thing called money. Nope, uh, not helpful, Chip. Uh, in a, a little thing called guns. But the lamestream media wants to take our guns away, boys. Well, if they want to take my guns, they'll have to pry them out of my cold, dead gun rack. And you better believe there'll be a lawsuit. America! Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Oh, right. say can yeah. you see? Oh, I guess our crybaby critics must be feeling pretty dumb by now. I wish I could go back in time and marry Betsy Ross. Chip, for shame, and make her divorce George Washington. I'm an ignoramus. And I'm Lance Redford. And I'm Stone Huntington, saying you'll have to do better than that, Nancy Pelosi, you melting wax statue. You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. The sound will continue for the duration of the program. 
to the podcast Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, agent provocateur. Hope everyone's doing well today. We're joined, of course, by our good friend, Pastor Jacob Menzel. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing well. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing fantastic. Excited to be here. We have also got our beloved engineer turning those knobs and dials. It's Mr. Benjamin Solzer. How are you doing, Ben? Good, Nathan. I'm glad to hear it. Now today, fellas, we are discussing Assembly Bill. 2943. We're going to get right into it today. It's Assembly Bill 2943 in the great state of California. This thing was assigned to a Senate committee. It's going to go before the Senate of the great state of California. What What is this AB 2943, Jake? Yeah, so you've probably heard of this bill as the Bible ban bill. The Bible, yeah, if you've seen a headline like on Facebook or something that says, California is voting to ban the Bible. That's then right. This is, yeah. this is that bill. AB 2943, it essentially bans all transactions, all monetary exchanges involved in promoting what they call, and this is a quote, sexual orientation change efforts. Mm, okay. In Now, this is the language of the bill. I'm going to quote. All right. Existing law prohibits mental health providers, as defined, from performing sexual orientation change efforts, as specified, with a patient under 18 years of age. Existing law requires a violation of this provision to be considered unprofessional conduct and subjects the provider to discipline by the provider's licensing entity. Okay, that's a lot of language. Here's here's a little bit more. Quote, this bill would include, as an unlawful practice prohibited under the Consumer Legal Remedies Act, advertising, offering to engage in, or engaging in sexual orientation change efforts with an individual. This bill would also declare the intent of the legislator in this regard. Unquote. That is a lot of uh, language there. Jake, what, what do they mean by that? Well, basically, anything that we do or say that says or suggests that it's morally wrong for people to engage in homosexual practice, if there's any monetary transaction involved at all, it could all be treated as a violation of this bill. Up to including websites even where you might pay a That's subscription right. or something That's like right. that. That's right. David French is a writer for the National Review, and he says that uh, AB 2943 would, quote, ban the sale of books expressing orthodox Christian beliefs about sexual morality, unquote. So, like, I don't know, the Bible? Up to and including, yep, this is where the whole Bible ban idea comes, because, you know, obviously the proponents of this bill, if you were to ask them, are you trying to ban the Bible? They they will not say that, but... Uh, yeah, Snope says, well, obviously it doesn't explicitly say anything about the Bible, so no. But here's the thing, the language is vague, and it very well... It doesn't be... matter what anybody intends with the law, what matters is the language right. of the law. Well, it's okay, I mean, the liberals and progressives always interpret these things in the most <laughs> generous uh, <laughs> That's right, way yeah. possible. All right. Uh, here's a quote by Mr. Matt Sharp. He's from Alliance Defending Freedom. Quote, it would be a violation if a pastor encourages a congregant to visit the church bookstore to purchase books that help people address sexual issues, perhaps including the Bible itself, which teaches about the importance of sexual purity within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. Unquote. It is very true the Bible does do that, and it is very true that <laughs> under the wording of this bill, that could be a violation. Now, Matt Staver, the founder and chairman of the Liberty Council, says this. Quote, the breadth of this bill is staggering and represents the worst kinds of censoring because books and educational resources, along with scientific research, will be banned. The First Amendment provides no space for this kind of censorship, end quote. 
Uh, here's another quote. Jenna Ellis, a constitutional law attorney, says, This law is not viewpoint neutral and specifically targets psychotherapists, counselors, pastors, lay counselors, authors, and any other speakers from promoting a message of heterosexuality and instead allows only a message affirming the LGBT viewpoint, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we like to make a, a assertions at the beginning of these uh, episodes. Here's mine. This bill is going to be used as a precedent. This this is just a step along the way. This is this is basically how these things always work, right? Uh, j- just a few years ago in 2012, California passed a bill outlawing, quote, conversion therapy, unquote, of minors by people that are explicitly like in the mental health profession. So psychotherapists, people like that cannot do conversion therapy therapy again their wording for minors the the idea then what they said was you know adults have the ability to make their own decisions about their sexuality if they want to take steps away from lgbt whatever behavior or temptations but children and children's parents do not Again, not viewpoint neutral. They're saying it's bad, but they're at that point in history in 2012, they were limiting the restrictions to we're not we're not gonna have kids engage in this. If, if an adult wants to make a informed de- decision to consent to this, then that's their problem. But right now we're saying we don't want the kiddos. Um, yeah, and also that we're not going to infringe on religious liberty by limiting it to mental health professionals. Oh, good. So they weren't going to infringe on re- right. religious li- liberty. But what they did then was establish the precedent. So the precedent they established was that it's fraud. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. And now it's in legal code. Now here we are today, six years later, and the law is now being extended to adults. Now, if you're an adult, you can't actually uh, have liberty of conscience to pursue help. And we're extending it beyond mental health professionals to, quote, any person engaged in a transaction, end quote. So any person engaged in a transaction, doesn't have to be a mental health professional, can be a pastor, can be a lay counselor, can be a conference speaker, can be anybody. It can be an author of a book. Anybody, quote, any person engaged in a transaction, end quote. And it's not just, quote, conversion therapy, end quote, anymore now, which is focused on the idea of changing orientation. It's any opposition to, quote, behavior and gender expression, end quote. So in every possible way, this is a step forward in making things broader and broader and broader. And now they're saying, well, again, it's not a big deal. There's no infringement on religious liberty here. It's not like we're banning the Bible. You don't see any language about banning the Bible. And we're just looking at the research and trying to prevent fraud which is total garbage. Right. <laughs> so this is, it's, it's, it's precedent again, just like it was six years ago. You know, as, as, as the great T.S. Eliot said, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. That leads us to a, a new segment on the show that we're doing, <laughs> a new segment that we're very excited about. This segment is called Told You So. As Christians, actually, not talking about them out there, the, you know, the California legislators, I'm saying we as Christians have a pathetic record of dealing with these kinds of assaults. In The Grace of Shame, which we released just last fall by Tim Bailey, Joseph Bailey, and Jürgen von Hagen, they write this. Quote, By the end of 2016, Oregon, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Vermont, D.C., and California, as well as Seattle, Miami Beach, 
Miami, West Palm Beach, Pittsburgh, Toledo, and Cincinnati had laws against reparative therapy, with legislation pending in many other cities and states. At this early stage, bans are limited to the treatment of minors, but this will change. <laughs> so now we're getting to <laughs> the changed. Uh, getting to the told you so part here. You'll <laughs> yep. see why we called that the name of the segment. At this early stage, bans are limited to the treatment of minors, but this will change. And so we here we are. That that book came out in in 2017, right? And it's now 2018, as we're all aware. And California is basically leading the way. And and, and here's the thing. This stuff has been going on now for years and years. Of course, it's been going on silently. Of course, it's been nuanced. And it's been avoiding the truth. That's how this kind of stuff happens. And the thing is, it's not just the pagans out there doing their devious little schemes or whatever. The church is complicit. The church has been completely complicit as, as, as the these cities and states across America have been slowly, steadily working to make it illegal to speak the truth, illegal basically to be a Christian. The church has been complicit. The, the the central argument of the book, The Grace of Shame, which is available at warhornmedia.com or wherever fine books are sold. Also, the central ar- argument of the whole first season of our podcast, The World We Made, which is available wherever fine podcasts are downloadable. We are where we are today because the church failed. We didn't love sexual sinners. We refused to speak the truth. You know, even the even the people that had courage, even the, the defenders of the faith, a lot of them gave in at, at these key places. Maybe they didn't give in at all places, but they gave in in a lot of places. And if we, as a church, as Christians, if we want to stop the slide, judgment basically has to begin in the house of God. We have to look at ourselves. Uh, we can't just wag the finger at California or at the culture or at the lamestream media or, or any of that stuff. We have to look inward because the problem, the sin, the capitulation begins with us. And when we say some of the most courageous defenders of the faith we have mean it. given in, we mean it. Al Mohler has been one a, a, a rock, a defender of the faith at key places, at, at the point of sexuality. And the reality is over the, the years, over the last several years, he's began to take steps to protect himself, to nuance the ways he talks about homosexuality, to walk back the way he talks about sexual orientation, to walk back the way he talks about conversion therapy and reparative therapy, to nuance the difference between conversion therapy or reparative therapy and the gospel. Of course, the point of doing that, he's using his gifts, the gifts God has given him, his gift of 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 articulating subtleties, of 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 nuancing, and he's and it's true. Conversion therapy, reparative therapy, it's not the same thing as the gospel. Not the same thing as the gospel. But what he thought was by articulating the difference between the gospel and conversion therapy, he could stand on the side and say, I agree with you in condemning conversion therapy. I agree with you in condemning reparative therapy. You don't necessarily know what I mean by that, but it was a way to carve out a safe place for him to, to hide in nuance and for Christians to hide in nuance by, by being able to agree, yeah, conversion therapy is bad because it's not conversion therapy that changes people, it's the gospel. But you can't out-nuance or outmaneuver the devil in the way that he handles these sorts of things. He's too subtle and he's too crafty and he knows how to use the nuance of the scalpel and he knows how to use the nuance of the sledgehammer. And so here, these bills began by talking about conversion therapy. Now they're talking about, what was the quote again? Behavior and gender expression. Opposition, quote, opposition to behavior and gender expression, end quote. So the ball's been moved down the playing field. 
behavior and gender expression can mean pretty much whatever you want it to mean. Mm -hmm. There's no limit. Yeah, and so here's the thing. The devil uses these sort of tactics to bait us into playing his game, and he just wants us to take one more step to think that we're really smart and we're really subtle and really crafty and we can hide and be safe and still maintain our convictions. We can say something that is what we think the liberals want to hear while winking and nodding at our buddies saying, well, we know what we really believe here. I'm not dialing back my condemnation of homosexuality. I'm actually intensifying it, but just nobody knows it, but whatever, right? That's just not how this works. And so for years... We have done this sort of thing. We've nuanced, we've maneuvered. We thought we were going to play the devil's game and we've been losing and losing and losing. We're making moves that minimize pain in the short term that are going to have massive consequences down the road. And we're just now beginning to really reap the consequences. We're beginning to reap what we've sown. The world is moving. America is moving as Canada is ahead of us and as many places in Europe are ahead of us into utterly silencing the Christian conscience. Yeah. There's no nuanced response to a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Which is why the prophets are never nuanced, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh my stars, (laughs) it's the devil's advocacy alarm. Who saw that coming? (laughs) So the devil's advocacy alarm, of course, is where someone has to play the devil's advocate. Maybe try and nuance us a little bit. Argue for the the opposite of what we've been arguing. Try and improve us. Jake, you going to be the devil today? Sure, I'll give it a shot. All right. So I'm not quite sure where to begin because you just sort of made this really big case and broad claims and not a lot of specifics, and you leaned heavily on the opinions of other people. um, (laughs) Coming right out of the gate, huh? Who cares what what the uh, guys at National Review or ADF say. They got to make their money somehow. ADF makes their money by, that's Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF makes their money by by pursuing cases in the courts that oppose laws like this one. Of course, people are going to want to get headlines that, oh, the Bible's banned in California. Well, no, the Bible's not being banned in California, actually. Nobody's arguing that. Nobody's saying that. But Mr. And, Devil, we've, we've never actually seen... Yes, if if the, the language is vague enough, it could be interpreted the, of the bill could be interpreted all kinds of ways. You're, you're saying you trust the liberal progressive people to interpret it in such a way. What that, I'm saying is in a, that in the most generous way towards conservative. What I'm Christians. saying is that we still live in the most free society, maybe that the world has ever known. The the freedoms and protections that Christians enjoy here in America and in California, in fact, are way more than anywhere else, maybe in the world today, and in the history of the world. And to, so to act like we're just going to, like we're on the slippery slope to Nazi Germany or Stalinist Russia is just, it's disingenuous. It's unfair. It's a great way to get clicks because people are afraid. And in the process, you you throw under the bus Al Mohler and, and, and what do you think you're accomplishing? I'll tell you what you're accomplishing. You're only accomplishing dividing the camp. You're only accomplishing throwing under the bus some of the most faithful, courageous public Christians of our time who have worked hard regularly and on a daily basis to articulate the faith and how to live in a way that's smart and discerning and faithful to scripture. You're just going to try to take people down because what you're trying to carve out some space for yourself by being the hottest hot take. Do you think that 
Paul was being a takedown artist and the Apostle Paul was trying to carve out some space for himself when he said that the Apostle Peter stood condemned because he was not eating with the Gentiles when the, when the, when the Jews came. One, Paul was in the same room with Peter, okay, when this happened. He wasn't sending shots out on a podcast or across the internet or in a book without talking to people, okay? He kind of, he, re- he wrote a little epistle about it and uh, that he was re- he re- the he podcast re- of his time. He reported on it after it had happened. That's very different, okay, <laughs> than engaging the guy directly too. It's a very brief report of the exchange. Things happen in exchanges. It's not, it's just not the same thing. The the Bible is full of the reports of the sins of godly men, and we are not saying that Mr. Moeller or yeah, the Pastor so, yeah, Moeller yeah, yeah, is yeah, not yeah. godly. Yeah, yeah. We sins. are pointing out a a sin, a failure. Okay, and- stop, stop, and just listen to me. The sins of uh, that we see in Scripture reported are what David's adultery, Barak's cowardice. We we see these big sins. Abraham uh, pawning off Sarah. We're talking about a guy accurately describes the difference between conversion therapy and the gospel. The man has scars, whether it's abortion or sexuality or homosexuality or divorce. There's not a place where you can find the culture being hot that he's not stood in and taken hits for this sort of thing. When you attack him while he's doing that, you are promoting disunity, which is what the Judaizers were doing and what Peter was doing too. Peter was undermining the gospel and pro- promoting division. You are attacking Al Mohler, who's trying to clarify the gospel, and in turn, you are promoting division. You, you cannot use Galatians. This is just classic shock jock garbage, where you take the, the, put the worst possible spin on things and act like we're careening towards Nazi Germany or something like that. We're not. We're just not. As if we're going to end up in Nazi... No no pastor in California is going to come under any kind of fire for saying homosexuality is a sin. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful straw man. Thank you for equating us with people in the Weimar Republic warning everyone of Nazi Germany. We did not... We never said that all Bibles are going to be banned and that this is the beginning of the end and that this is the apocalypse. We didn't go that far. We just said that this is a precedent, that it is leading in a certain direction, that that direction is bad. And I think it would be very difficult for you to actually argue against that. So instead, instead you're just like, oh, well, uh, uh, Nazi Germany. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, the fact is you can't have a prophetic voice and be all nuanced about it. Try Mr. Devil, try reading the prophets. Try reading Jeremiah. They have a word. It's a Jeremiah. It's it's a word for angsty, over-the-top expressions of horrible things that are happening or are going to happen. <laughs> try. Have you ever read a major or minor prophet? Have you ever read any prophecy in the Bible whatsoever? Have, have, you, have you ever actually cracked open a Bible in your life? <laughs> in fact, well, right, I, and seen, have you seen Jesus saying, not a stone of Jerusalem will be left? I mean, do you care at all about the way that biblical people actually use biblical language? Or are you just, or you're just going to be Mr. Sophisticated Nuance Guy? You're just going to be Mr. Sophisticated Nuance Guy and show off your sophistication and drink your sherry and adjust your monocle. And all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, you're right. We should have completely unnuanced pure undiluted expressions of the truth. You know what I think about when I think about unnuanced just declarations of the truth? I think about Westboro Baptist. Now think about it for a second before you say anything. Don't 
come out accusing me of a straw man argument. What is the difference between what you're articulating as a prophetic voice and just being a Westboro Baptist dude who shows up with his signs to picket? Without nuance, without qualification, without grace, declares God hates fags. You'd say true, right? God does hate, he hates sin, and he, you may even go so far as to say God doesn't just hate sin, he hates the sinner. God is angry with the wicked every day. No nuance, no qualification, nothing. That's what you have to, you, you have to tell me either those guys are right or you have to give me a nuanced way of explaining the difference between you and them. And you're not doing that. And you don't want to do that. You just want to strike me down so that you can take big, actual public leader with scars on his back, Al Mueller, to task and feel big about yourself for doing it. Good job. All right. Well, um, I think there is an answer for you, Mr. Devil, but we'll, uh, we'll, t- we'll take a moment to think about it. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Ben. As a single man in the church, without any prospects, do you ever feel sad, lonely, depressed, or sad? <laughs> oh, I, w- I wouldn't say that I do all the time, Nathan. Sometimes I'm asleep. <laughs> That's why you're the perfect consumer for our new sponsor, the world's first Christian mattress for single people. Nathan, you must be referring to the Celebed. The mattress for Christian singles the celibate. That's right, Nathan. As a single man, I used to lie awake at night, tossing and turning, pondering my own self-worth. But now, thanks to the celibate, I fall asleep in comfort, pondering my own self-worth. The celibate is the first mattress designed exclusively for the unmarried Christian. Now, in addition to the gift of singleness, you can give yourself the gift of a great night's sleep. You can say that again, Ben. As a single man myself... Hold on, Nathan. You're single? I'm as confused as you are, Ben. But as a single man, I'm often struck by how much the church revolves around the family. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden, without any warning, the pastor will be all, Husbands, do this! And I'll be like... Hold on to your horses, Mr. Pastor. I'm not a husband. This does not apply to me. Yeah, it's like, uh, I guess I'll just sit here and let you say something that doesn't apply directly to me. Don't get me started, Nathan. Sometimes my pastor won't just do that once. He'll do it two or three times. (laughs) Not hurtful at all. Yeah, not hurtful at all. Well, Ben, I've got news for you. Big Mattress is exactly the same way. What? Just the other day, I went on one of our competitors' mattress websites, and it was all, let me sell you a queen-size mattress. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're just assuming everyone needs a queen-size? What is this? An episode of Sister Wives? Oh, Ben, the celibate features three layers of foam engineered to support and comfort you, just like persons of the opposite sex have always refused to do. The celibate comes compressed in a box the size of the mini-fridge that you keep your Lunchables in. That's right, Nathan, but when you take the celibate out of the box, it unfolds with a very satisfying sort of sort of whimpering noise. Now, Ben, what if I don't feel like I'm called to the celibate? What if I'm burning up with desire for a marriage bed? Well, Nathan, a lot of guys start out thinking that way, but many of them find that the celibate is actually cheaper, easier, and requires less hard work and responsibility. Plus, we should mention that it's perfectly contoured for playing video games late into the night. Yeah, you can't do that on a marriage bed. You just lie there with your wife. Yeah, like, where's the fun in that? Uh, how do you feel about the celibate, Jake? What? Um, 
Yeah, well, uh, it's it's not for everybody. But it's perfect for me and Ben. Uh, I would never dispute that. If you're not completely satisfied with your celibate after 100 days, you can light it on fire. Yes, actually, we are legally obligated to say, for some guys, the celibate will suddenly go up in flames when they're least expecting it. The celibate, perfect for people who aren't on fire. All right, we're back. Thank you for that. Uh, that was a very edifying ad. Um, <laughs> as as that segment always is. All right, so so basically, the devil is an interesting devil this week. I would say because we've met this devil before. Me and Jake actually just had an experience not too long ago. Yeah, there was uh, meeting, this amazing guy who thought he was really smart. Guy, yeah, he and, was a uh, pretty cool guy. He's a, what, a seminary student or something I like that? No, he's Yeah, he's a punk. Yeah. He cornered me and Jake as the Warhorn Media guys and said, here's what you need to know about your book. Here's Let me tell you what Al would think about this. Yeah, because like, like, he knows what Al yeah, would think yeah, about you're, it. You've really and, got, and, then, yeah. and, then, and then he proceeded to tell us uh, the kinds of content that we, that we should actually be do, uh, focusing on and the kind of uh, talent we should be promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, here at Warren Media, which looked an awful lot like him, in my opinion. Yeah. So that devil exists. If, if, <laughs> if, if you thought that the Jake was being a little cartoony and straw manny and all that sort of thing, we have met the devil, and it is. <laughs> I can't he's, say his name, but he's a real person, sadly. And there's lots of people out there. Um, and I feel this in myself too. I I, I feel I, I feel that accusation. Okay. Okay. Here, here's the devil. The devil saying, "Chill out, relax. We're not actually careening towards Nazi Germany." It's cool, mm-hmm. right? That was one argument. Two, when we got specific to Al Mohler, he was saying, shut up, he suffered, he's a public figure that I love, and I want to stand under the shadow of his wings, and if you're attacking him, you're just being divisive. The last thing we need now is to be divisive mm-hmm. and to divide the camp. We need to stand strong and united as conservative Christians who believe what the Bible says. While we're being assaulted by you know, the government, by the media, this is only playing into the devil's hands and being destructive. Right. And actually, you don't really understand Al Mohler or any of the any of these guys because you're just not giving them their due. They're really smart, sophisticated people and you don't know, you know, all the work that they've done, which it was it was pretty rich, by the way, this guy a- actually explaining to me the work that Al Mohler's done in the mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Convention as if I I don't have a Southern Baptist background as if I've never met Al or Russ Moore or been And as if you don't have respect for the good work that they've done. Yeah, yeah. As if I haven't benefited or appreciated from from their good work. So Um, here's a, there's a couple things to say in response to the devil. I'd like to make a side point, first of all, which is that, yes, devil, there is a lot of fear mongering on both sides. Man, season two of our favorite show, The Handmaiden's Tale, just came out. (laughs) (laughs) Is this what freedom looks like? What will happen when I get out? There probably is no out. Gilead is within you. Uh, no. You've watched it, binged it, I, ass- <laughs> no. I assume. Yeah, maybe it, it expresses the world perfectly, as as you and I and, and Benjamin over there. We the world that we, we wish want. it. It's not, it's not a terrible show. I don't. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, we're all out for as we've expressed many times on this show. We're we're all looking for our. I'm looking for my of Nathan, the the woman that subsumes her identity to me. And it's uh, <laughs> uh, a reasonable you know, thing for a man to want. If I could also get a handmaiden to to or no no the handmaiden is the person that will bear my children and uh, have no identity outside not or even a name outside of me that's that's what we want and having elected trump we're basically one step away from that that's right just one step so apparently the progressives are allowed to uh fear monger but no it's silly when they do it it's silly when we do it the fact is 
we do have great freedoms in America, and I don't think that we're actually just one step away from Nazi Germany. At the same time, it's not unfair to look at where these things lead and to see how fast society can change. One of the points that we made uh, in a number of places, but you can hear it in, I think, the first episode of The World We Made is that, I want to say, 1963? Yeah. In 1963, every state in the good old U.S. of A. had laws against sodomy, laws against consensual sodomy. Two men could not engage in that kind of activity without it being illegal in all 50 states in America. In just a handful of decades, that has completely changed. Society can actually change really fast. You can go from the Weimar Republic to Nazi Germany pretty quickly. And it's not fear-mongering to point that out. It's not fear-mongering to point out how quickly things have changed in California. It's safe to point it out. Only by refusing to study how the Weimar Republic turned into Nazi Germany, how the Bolshevik uh, revolutions upset and created... Stalinist Russia and the Soviet Union, only by looking at the horrors and atrocities that happened almost overnight in those countries, can we prevent that sort of thing from happening here? Yeah. We have to understand how this works. We have to understand the playbook. So that's perhaps a, a little bit of a, a, a side trail, but I wanted to say that first. Now, what is the what is the real argument against the devil? We were beginning to kind of make it as we talked to him there. The real argument is that what's actually divisive is refusing to take the stands for God's truth and for the Bible that are necessary. When we have opportunity to take a public stand for God, for biblical truth, for biblical morality, we have to do it. Somebody comes up to you and says, you're talking about homosexuality, they say, so do you really believe that I could be thrown into hell just because of homosexual sin? The answer to that question has to be yes. And people can't walk away from the conversation you have with them, no matter what you say outside of that, without knowing that the answer is, in fact, yes. That God will condemn somebody to hell just for homosexuality. Will God condemn me to hell for lying? Yes, he will. There is no just lying. There is no just homosexuality. There is only sin and sin will condemn us to hell. Now, we always want to nuance that in a way that says, and you see a lot of public figures do this, says, well, actually, you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we're all sinners and God will condemn all of us for not believing the gospel and not repenting of all of our various sins. In such a way that the person walks away feeling, okay, yeah, cool. The answer to that question wasn't yes. What we have to do is we have to be able to turn up the heat and make people feel the pressure of, no, yes, you will be condemned to hell for your sexual sin. For the sin that you're trying to ask me to give you a way out of, yes, you will be condemned. And then you go on and you talk about forgiveness of sin, but you treat that sin like you treat any other sin. Um, well, so then the devil, the devil's advocate wants to ask a question that's perhaps not entirely unfair, which is, okay, so we have to go uh, hold God hates fag signs. Right. In other words, okay, where do you draw the line? You're obviously a sensible human being, so you're not arguing that we can't bring nuance or intelligence or grace into our conversations. You're not saying we always have to say the worst possible version of everything. Right. So how do you actually parse what you're talking about? Well, let, let me nuance this all for you. Okay, <laughs> the point of the nuancer, the hedger, is to take the edges off 
and to level things out in a way that the call to repentance doesn't have any edge or point to it. Mm-hmm. The Westboro Baptist guy's not calling anybody to repentance. His point isn't to drive you to Jesus. His point is just, you suck. We have to be able to live in the tension and to recognize that you are guilty and you deserve condemnation. God will judge you. You stand condemned before a holy God is the first step towards reconciliation with God. And people have to feel that weight. They have to feel the weight of the law. Anything we do to take the edge off of that weight is sin. It's lying to people about the state of their souls, and it will not help them get to repentance. So we have to, we have to be able to, to offer the gospel, offer hope, offer Jesus crucified on the cross for our sins. We have to be able to hold that out to people who have been pierced with the weight of their guilt and their sin and the condemnation of the law of God. It's Peter in his famous sermon in Acts 2 saying, This Christ, who you crucified, tightening the screws about as tight as they could be. After they say, Brothers, what shall we do to be saved? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. And so he nails them to the wall to the point where they're crying out in agony, What shall we do to be saved? And then, What shall we do to be saved? He's got it for them. Mm -hmm. Repent. Westboro Baptist exists so that there is a straw man Mm -hmm. to caricature any faithful gospel preacher by and to keep us who are smart and sophisticated and don't want to look like that from actually saying the things that we need to say. But here's the thing. It's very practical. The the, the way that you get Nazi Germany is you dehumanize your enemies. We cannot let them dehumanize us. They need to know that regular Bible-believing Christians who are loving and have a sweet aroma are the same people that say homosexuality is an abomination, which means we need to be out there saying the hard things and then living in society, helping people, being the salt, being light. We need to take every opportunity. We don't have to rub it in their noses. We don't have to be Westboro Baptist Church, but just very pragmatically speaking, we take every opportunity to say the hard things to people because we are not, in fact, monsters. We are, in fact, people who say homosexuality, for example, is an abomination, and we're not monsters. And if you watch a a liberal TV show, if you watch A Handmaid's Tale, what that thing, all sarcasm aside, is, is telling you is that in order to believe what what we as Christians believe, you have to be a monster. That's right. And it's just not true. That's right. It's just not true. And so instead of falling all over ourselves to nuance how we're not the handmaiden's tale, we should laugh at the handmaiden's tale and, and then say, I believe in patriarchy, biblical patriarchy. I believe that that's good for women. Right. And for children. Now come to my church and see that our women are happy. We're not making them give up their names and their identities <laughs> and they have lots of freedoms and it's fine and it's okay. You can chill out. There's We can actually live within the tension of how this whole patriarchy thing, since that's the example you brought up, works without being weird about it. And, and so, I mean, here's the thing. Lucas Weeks, uh, in a recent sermon at our church, said that— One of the pastors here. Yeah, one of the pastors here. He, he said, every every time you speak publicly in the name of Jesus, every everything you say is you claiming ground for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we've been on the retreat for a long time. Christians have been on a, the retreat for a long time just trying to protect and preserve their lives. But what we've actually been doing is conceding ground when we do that. And we have to just simply claim ground for Jesus Christ by living simply as open public Christians— by speaking 
in a Christian way, by addressing things in our cities, in our communities, in our neighborhoods in a Christian way, by not refusing to speak the name of Jesus or to hold back any of God's truth. Yeah, I think we'll find, I don't know, some of my favorite stories in the Bible are Jesus before Pilate or Paul before Festus. There's all these stories where we people go before these pagans, Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar, and they just uh, the, the pagan kings and all these stories inevitably end up being like, oh, this is a dude. I kind of like this dude. Like, this is not the inhuman, weird thing that, mm-hmm. you know, this is not the stereotype. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. If a real man and not a caricature stands up and has real moral courage to say the truth in the face of consequences, and he really loves people, people respect him for it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people have to think twice before they condemn that guy and everybody he represents. And that's why Jordan Peterson has become a phenomenon. Yep. Because as a clinical psychologist in Toronto, he just simply said, no, I will not refer to people by their preferred gender pronouns because it's an assault on my uh, right to free speech that hinders my ability to love and care for people as a clinical psychologist, and I will not do it. And then he lived publicly in such a way that it is obvious to anyone that knows Jordan B. Peterson or his work that he's not Fred Phelps. He's not a monster. He's, he's just, just not. He's just a dude. He cares about people. And every time people. he tried to Every, t- every time the Kathy Newmans of this world tried to characterize him that way and put him in that corner, he foils them simply by being a pretty normal, smart, humble guy. Now, that's exactly what our pastors and public leaders have been shrinking back from doing. And the fact that Jordan Peterson, by taking that stand, has developed a massive following of people is a testimony to the fact that people are hungry for leadership. People are hungry for real masculine men who have moral courage. And so, Christian, take heart. Pastor, take heart. Especially if you're a pastor in California, take heart. Have the faith to simply say what God says. Tell the truth. Because guess what? Here's where we go into nuance land. Jordan Peterson doesn't have anything to offer, actually. He doesn't have the gospel. Right. You do. Have the moral courage to speak the truth. Trust God to do the work of working through the truth to create new life and change. And it will take time, but men and women and children will be saved. And who knows what? Who knows what God will do? Who knows what kind of time it will take? Yes, it will take time. But if you think about how bad things have gotten in the last 50 years, if you think about how Israel kept turning on a dime, you read this, the you know First and Second Kings and all that stuff, and it's like they were great, or, or judges, and it's like they served idols, they served God. You know, society can cha- actually change pretty fast, and God is good. And that and, can work in both. Directions. That can actually work in both directions. Mm-hmm. It actually does. We're not just entropying into the worst of all possible worlds. I don't actually think that we can have that discussion maybe in another podcast. But it can it can go both ways. God can do mighty things. And then you read your you read your Bible, you read the stories of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go in those horrible no-win situations and you see what God does and it's it's amazing and it's cool and yeah it turns out he's a mighty God with a strong arm that can do all kinds of things an arm that is in fact not so short that it can't save all right 
well, that's pretty much our show. And oh shoot, look at the time. I'm sorry, guys. I, I I've got to get going. I've I, I've got an appointment with my stylist. Wait, wait, and, wait, wait um, really? Do you have a stylist? Yeah, of course I have a stylist. Can't uh, you? Obviously, I have a right. Listen, yeah, right I, on, man. I I I I, I, do, I do not have another second. I got to get going. Sebastian is booked out like <laughs> five months in advance. So I'm sorry. What? Ooh, Maybe you could okay. schedule things a little. Well. Bye. Huh. All right. Well, uh, actually, Jake, now that he's gone, it looks like you I and I... I'm packing up and getting out of here. No, no, I want to introduce you to... Second. i got to introduce you to this new friend of mine, wait, actually. Wait, wait, wait. I was hoping he'd get to He has a stylist and you have a friend. Today's an amazing day. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to imply, Jake, but... <laughs> any, no, this is... So, this Jake, this is my friend from the UK, Ted Brightson. It's really... Hello, hello, Benjamin. Ted, hey. Ted, this is Jake. Jake, this is Ted Brightson. He's from the UK. Jacob? All right, right, right. Hi, hi Ted. Up. Hello, fellow. Yeah. So, Jake, what Ted, what Ted, uh, the organization he represents, the message he has, it's really, you know, apropos to the show that we didn't quite finish today. Ted, I want you to tell Jake about it. Yes, absolutely, Benjamin. Now, uh, Jacob, as as a Christian, I represent an organization that affirms that you can have certain sexual proclivities and still be a grace-filled Christ follower who needs to be accepted and loved oh, by his dear. church community. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay. Just. What's what's the name of your organization? Piggingout.org. Benjamin! I gotta go. Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Solzer, produced by Nathan Alberson, executive produced like all fine Warhorn products by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time. Get ready for Solo. That's right. And... Be looking for updates for uh, the next season of The World We Made. Oh, yeah. Season two. And stay sane. <laughs>